Terry and Jesse show, two Catholics with a PhD in common sense, two Catholics that no matter what happens in the world, in politics, and in culture, we keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, we're too blessed to be stressed because we know, <laughs> we know where this all ends. We know that if you live and die in a state of grace, what happens? You end up in the arms of Jesus Christ and Our Lady, and there's no better place to be. So keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't veer off the church to the right or to the left. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Keep looking straight ahead and full sheen ahead. Terry? Well said, Jesse. Here's what our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's who we center our lives on. Yes, today's topics, you picked them, and I love it. Uh, we've got Father Ed Broom talking about his latest book, an encyclopedia of uh, material on the Blessed Virgin Mary. That'll be our first segment. The second segment, you know, why the, the, the mutilation of boys and girls, the general mutilation of them, what is that all about? And how much money is being spent on this? You know, follow the money. Mm. It's unbelievable. And then, of course, Jess, what you just said at the beginning of the show is what the Jesuit priests and Nagasaki were living the Fatima message, which is the gospel message, and they survived the atomic bomb. And I say this because I think it's appropriate here. Russia's making threats about using nuclear war. You know what, Jesse? I'm not really worried about it. And I'll tell you why. No. If I'm living in the state of grace and living that Fatima message, which is the gospel message, mm-hmm. okay, they nuke it. I mean, I'm, I, I go to my judgment seat, and for all eternity, I spend time in in heaven. I go to heaven for all eternity. So why should I be afraid when I know that I have that kind of relationship with Christ, and that by being faithful to Him, He will be faithful to me? Wow, yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty simple, Terry. You know what? Tell me, bro. And uh, the the way it all ends. I mean, the Bible's told us for two thousand years yeah. in Second Peter chapter three. When you read that chapter. That's right. It says that the world is going to be uh, destroyed by fire. It's right yep. in the Bible. Yep. And so this is nothing new. No. And also, speaking about uh, uh, that prophecy, that, that verse has also been uh, commented in a prophecy that's approved by the church, Our Lady of Akita, Japan, oh, in 1973. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Our Lady of Akita told Sister Sasagawa yep. that, f- that, the, that God would rain fire from the sky upon the earth, fire from the heavens. And I think that's well, where we're at, Jess. Well, yeah. Well, when you see that Russia has 6,000 nuclear warheads yep. and the U.S. has 5,000 and we're fighting a proxy war with Russia, Biden is fighting a proxy war with Russia through Ukraine. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is a time to live in a state of grace, Terry. Amen. And you know, Jess, before we get to the good news, I just want to make people aware I mean, here at, at we, we're doing some crazy things in the sense of fools for Christ. We're putting up a big sign in our church that says here, Proposition 1, vote no, it's evil. That's the one that says everybody who wants an abortion come to California. And I realize that certain people might want to tear the sign down or get angry. But, you know, this is the time we're living in. We have to stand up for the truth. And I want to give people this information, Jess. President Biden pledges that the first priority of the Democrats holding Congress is to legalize abortion. Now, the midterms that are coming up in a couple of weeks can change that, okay? So all you people who are going to vote, please vote, and you vote Democrat, what you're basically voting for is the killing of innocent life. I just want you to be aware of that because mm-hmm. I, I know that if you're aware of it, yes, you're culpable, but I'm hoping you choose life. That's why I'm bringing it up, Jess. Your thoughts? That's right. Uh, Terry, today today's uh, soul food is. Yes. By the way, Saint Luke, pray for us. The Gospel oh, of Saint Luke, yes. <clears throat> uh, chapter ten, yeah. verses one to nine. Yeah. 
The Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, the harvest is abundant, but the labors are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out labors for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Isn't that the truth? I think Mark Hawkins uh, vouched for that and many other people. I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money, bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. In whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the house and eat and drink what is offered to you for the labor deserves payment. Do not move about from one house to another, whether uh, whatever town you enter, and they welcome you. Eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand for you, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. couple of things jump out. The harvest is abundant, but yep. the labors are few. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is about 70 million Catholics in the U.S., I'm going to ask you a question, Terry. Yeah, Terry you know, how many how many percent of Catholics do you think actually actively evangelize? I would say very few. Oh, I would say it's uh, it's not it's uh, not it's single digit, but even might be less than that. Yeah, one or two percent. Yep. I know there's about eleven percent of Catholics that go to mass on Sunday in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so that would say that eighty nine percent do not go. Yeah, the harvest is abundant. The labors are few. Tell me about it. Yeah. He also says, our Lord, I'm sending you like lambs amongst the wolves. That's well, right. we're living amongst the wolves right now. Big the globalists, time. the Great Reset people, uh, the Masons, the Marxists, yep. the modernists, yep. uh, the liberals, the cancel culture. We're, we, are, we as Christians are living amongst the wolves right now. Also, another beautiful uh, thing verse that jumps out. In whatever house you gather, first say, peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. St. John Chrysostom says that when you walk into somebody's house, if you're a disciple of Christ, he actually said, when you walk into the house, he says, say those words, may the peace of Christ be upon this house. Uh, again, if, if, they're, if they're men of peace, women of peace, of, of goodwill, the peace of Christ will fall upon their house. And if they're, if they're not, the Bible says, uh, uh, but if not, the peace will return to you. Uh, the gospel of the Lord, Terry. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ is right. Jesse, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room. <laughs> Full scene ahead. And Jesse, he's got a special guest, Pope Pius X, one of my heroes in the church. And think about this today, 2022, about shepherds. And I think we're going to have a conversation about this. Here's what Pope Pius told Bishop Sheen. He said, how I tremble to think that souls can be punished for all eternity on the account of the negligence of their pastors. Oh, that innocent people can be led from the path of truth hmm. because the words of the inspired text, you know, the Bible, were never preached to them. And that the spirit of the world, and of our time especially, should pour into it ill-instructed minds for want of a firm hand to check its tide. Wow! He says, I have a sacred duty to defend the truth openly. For God will ask me, you know, the shepherd, to render an account for all those souls who have strayed into the way of perdition. Jesse, I'm going to make a comment, and I want we got a couple minutes. Let's talk about this quote mm-hmm. because it's powerful. I just I do counseling with people, marriage counseling, and one of the gentlemen came to me. He's you know having problems with his marriage, and 
he went to three Catholic priests. Now remember what Pope Pius X just said. Three, three priests told my friend, hey, just you know, get rid of the girl if you're not, it's not working out. Um, I'll give you an, I'll get you an annulment. Go find another girlfriend. He said, go find another girlfriend, and and if you get, you want to marry her, we'll take care of that for you. My point is, can you imagine Jesse that there's pastors giving that information out, and then you read what Pope Pius X said about culpability? I truly believe Jesse Strickland, Mueller, Cardinal Pell, and others are starting to think, hey, you know what? We need to speak up because. This comment from Pope Pius XII, tenth, is making me feel uncomfortable. You know who gave me this quote? A bishop. Bishop Joseph Strickland sent that to me. And you know what he said? This is what motivates me to speak up. And we need more guys like that. Your thoughts, Jess? Terry, well, that, that reminds me, me. Of, of, of kind of another quote I heard from St. John Vianney. It's, it's similar to that, Saint, the patron saint of parish priest, yeah. where he says, uh, a priest goes to heaven... Or a priest goes to hell with a thousand people behind him. What well, makes sense? Yeah. So, in other words, w- what that says is that a holy priest who speaks the truth yes. is going to take a thousand people with him to heaven. An unholy priest, an, an, a heterodox priest, yeah. and they're usually not holy. They're usually involved in, you know, sexual sins. An unholy priest who's heterodox yep. is going to lead a thousand people behind him to hell. Uh, and this this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, we've been we've been warned. Uh, today's the feast of Saint Luke. Yep. Saint Luke warned us about this in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty eight. Remember, he wrote the book of Acts. Yep. Here's what Saint Luke writes to the to the the apostles. He says he writes this to the he says this. Keep watch over yourselves. Now he's talking about the apostles in context here. Mm-hmm. And over the whole flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers. The Greek word is bishops. He made you apostles bishops. In which you, you who, apostles, tend the church of God that he, Jesus, acquired with his own blood. Now look what he said. St. Luke, today's feast day. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you. Among who? Among the apostles. And they will not spare the flock. And from your own group of men will come forward perverting the truth to the, draw the disciples away from them. So St. Luke just told the apostles, from you guys, from you apostles and your successors of bishops, you're going to have perverted men that are going to pervert the truth, that are going to take the, the little ones away from Jesus, the disciples away from Jesus. We've been warned, Terry. We sure have. And Jesse, when we come back, our good friend, Father Ed Broom, who's an oblate of the Virgin Mary. I interviewed him Saturday. You won't want to miss it. He's coming up with a book called A Compendium of Marian Devotions. It's an encyclopedia of the church's prayers, dogmas, devotions, sacramentals, and the feasts of the honoring the Mother of God. This is an amazing book. You'll hear about it. And I love the publisher. It's Tan Books. Stay with us, family. Mm. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show with Father Ed Broom, an oblate of the Virgin Mary. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show, Father Ed Broom from the Oblates of the Virgin Mary is in studio with us to talk about 
his new book, A Compendium of Marian Devotions. Father, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's an honor to have you. We talk about you all the time because of your articles and your books. So we're grateful that you're here. Father, just to get into it, your book, um, I want people to understand what your book is. And I mean, when, when we point out it's a, a Marian Devotions, it's an encycl- encyclopedia of the church's prayers, dogmas, devotions, sacramentals. Feast, honoring. Seems like, well, every Catholic should have a book like that on Our Lady. Tell us more about the book. Yes. I wrote a book on total consecration to Jesus through Mary and the Rosary, Sophia Press, 2017. It was actually published. And I felt as an oblate of the Virgin Mary, I really wanted to promote more and more devotion to Mary. Mm-hmm. So I started to write a book on Marian devotions. And I started about five years ago. And um, after... A lot of work and a lot of obstacles because of COVID and other obstacles. It finally was published and released just on October 11th, a few days ago. And the whole um, understanding of this book is um, to understand Mariology. I think we have to understand various aspects. Mm -hmm. Two of the basic ideas would be we have to have both dogma and devotion. Mm. Dogma without devotion can be very arid. But devotion without dogma can degenerate into superstition and sentimentalism. So what I did was in this book, I put together basically five elements to have a concrete Mariology. One would be the dogmatic part. The center of it would be devotion. And then there's some beautiful art that is in this book, just captivating art. And then I have... uh, three of the approved Marian apparitions, and they would be Our Lady Guadalupe, and Our Lady of Fatima, and finally Our Lady of Lourdes. And the last part of the book, we've got about five pages of Marian prayers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the essence of this, uh, of this book that just came out a few days ago, and I'm really hoping that people will buy it so that they can really get to know Mary and love Mary and imitate her virtues, yes. Father Broom, how can people get the book? What publisher published it, and what website should you send them to? You can basically get it uh, from 10 publishers. Oh, they're a great publishing house. Yeah, 10 publishers. I've, I've written two books. My first two books were Sophia Press. Mm-hmm. And they're great, too. Hum, hum Drum to Holy and my book on Total Consecration. Then my, second, my third book was uh, Roadmap to Heaven, which is basically a plan of life to to move quickly on the highway to heaven. And then the last one, which just came out a couple of days ago, Compendium to Marian Devotions, would be uh, 10 publishers. And if you're in the area, you can actually go to St. Peter Chanel in the Hawaiian Gardens. You can buy a copy there. So <laughs> Good. Well, that's good to know. Father, just uh, for the benefit of those who are listening, going, okay, um, you know, I thought uh, Marian Devotion, I think of, you know, it's optional. Why is Marian devotion so essential for being a follower of Christ? Well, the principal reason why is because God willed it. Amen. Right. Uh, God willed <laughs> it. I mean, our Lord could have come into the world in many ways. Yes. But the fact that he decided to come by means of the incarnation, by Mary's yes, and then Jesus was incarnate in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary for those nine months and was born. And Jesus lived with Mary for basically 30 years, the private life. He's with Mary in Nazareth. So if it's God's will, it's good. And if it's not God's will, it's bad. <laughs> well said. And you know, Father, I think of 
how our lady how our lord came to us it seems reasonable for us she came uh, jesus came through mary at that first christmas day and it seems reasonable to imitate that going back to christ through mary my question to you about our lady also is you have something on the rosary in there that's very important and i would say that in the culture we're living in right now man i mean uh the rosary is essential for a follower of Christ right now. Tell us why the rosary is such an important aspect of Marian devotion. Yes, um, I think we have to follow in the footsteps of the saints. You mm, can't amen. go wrong. And um, I really love uh, John Paul II. I happen to be ordained by John Paul II. Wow. What a, what a blessing. So I've got, I've got holy hair, more, <laughs> more, more hair than you. No, hey, That's well. not much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But I love John Paul II. I was uh, I studied in Rome for seven years. Wow. Shortly after he was ordained, after he was uh, made pope, I, I entered in seventy nine. He was actually made pope in seventy eight. Yes. So I read most of his encyclicals, and Good. one of my favorites was the Apostolic Letter, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Rosary. Yes. In that one, he introduces the luminous mystery, right. but also he says we have to try to contemplate the face of Jesus with the eyes and heart of Mary. What could be better than that? Can't get any better. Contemplate the, the face of Jesus with the eyes and heart of Mary. So John Paul II, in that, in that apostolic letter, he mentions saints, but specifically saints that had great devotion to Mary. He mentions Maximilian Kolbe, the Immaculata. Mm -hmm. He mentions St. Louis de Montfort, who gave us true devotion to Mary. He mentions St. Therese mm -hmm. of Lisieux, and he also mentions uh, a blessed who many people don't know about, but given that you and, and, and Jesse speak a lot about spiritual warfare, yeah. uh, Bartolo Lungo. Oh, are you kidding me? You blessed Bartolo Lungo. <laughs> so he's actually mentioning that more than the other saints. And really? You, you, you know about him. Sure, but let's, why don't you, for the benefit of those few who don't know, because... I think it's a it's really an incredible story. Okay, uh, Bartolongo was born in Italy about a hundred years ago in Naples. Yep. And brought up and raised in a pretty good Catholic family. Then he goes to the university. What happened in the university in his time is happening today. Exactly. Basically, he his faith became weaker and weaker, and he got in contact with Satanists. Yes. And he became immersed in. Uh, in Satanism, he even became a satanic priest. Unbelievable. But what happened was there was a Dominican priest that heard about this. He started to pray and fast for him. And then what happened was he had these thoughts. Well, I might as well maybe come back to God and maybe go to confession. So he decided to go to confession. After he left the confession, it was like a two standards. He heard one voice that said, you belong to me, <laughs> which was Satan. Yes. And the other voice was, if you want to be saved, pray and propagate the rosary. Wow. That went out, and he renounced Satan, and he started to pray the rosary, to preach the rosary, to propagate the rosary. And then, because of him, you have one of the most famous rosary, rosary sanctuaries in the world, Our Lady of Pompeii. Yes. And, uh, so now, and then... He lived a life of great holiness, and he was beatified. So from satanic priest to being beatified through the power of Mary. Wow. <laughs> Father, this is a time where the world right now, as we're doing this show, your book is just coming out. 
There's a crisis in the world regarding a nuclear war, possibly. Our Lady of Fatima talked about praying the rosary as a as a tool for peace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Or is that in your book, does it cover the aspect of peace in the rosary? Yes. Um, I think we have to go back to Our Lady of Fatima in 1917, and just a few days ago, it was October 13th, with a great miracle. Right. And she said to the children of Fatima, this is during the First World War, to pray the rosary for, for world peace. So this was what Mary said more than 100 years ago. And as you're mentioning now, because of what's going on in Russia, yes. with the Ukraine and other tensions, there's a real danger that there could be even a more serious war. And um, in that document that I already mentioned, John, John Paul II, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Rosary, he actually said... We should pray the rosary on a daily basis and for two reasons. One would be for world peace, and the other one would be for the sake of the family. Now, who was that priest? His name was Father Patrick Payton. Yes. And you have the immortal saying of Patrick Payton. One we know, the family that prays together stays together. But there's another one. Yeah. He says, a world at prayer is a world at peace. Amen. So those two phrases basically summarize, you know, the, the whole context of the importance of praying the rosary for world peace. Absolutely. For, for those who are Knights of the Immaculata, like myself, who have t made that total consecration or individuals who have made their consecration to Louis de Montfort's form, uh, I'm going to encourage you to get the book because this is how we can promote true devotion to Mary by being well-versed in it. And I want to encourage you to go to Tan Books. That's a great publishing house. You can get that at Tan Books. The title of the book, Father, one more time. Compendium of Marian Devotions. Compendium of Marian Devotions. Compendium means a summary of mm -hmm. Marian Devotions. That's what compendium means. Yeah. And Father, just in the last minute or two we have, I want to um, mention that um, it seems to me that all of the saints, when you talked about the saints earlier, have devotion to Mary, there hasn't been one saint that hasn't had a devotion to Mary so isn't it make sense to us if we imitate, like St. Paul says, I imitate uh, Christ, you'd be imitating me. We need to imitate the saints, especially with their love for Our Lady. And it seems to me that this book does exactly that. Is that a fair statement? Exactly. I've got a couple of pages there about what the saints say yeah. about devotion to Mary. And okay. one of my favorites is I love St. Louis de Montfort. And my book that I wrote on consecration to Mary is basically... I got the foundation from St. Louis de Montfort, where he says, the quickest, easiest, most secure pathway to Jesus Christ is through the Blessed Virgin Mary. So she's she's the shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. Father, who what saint said this? And I'm gonna put you, I'm trying to put you on a on a on the spot, and I can't because you're you're so well versed. It's amazing. <laughs> who what saint said that tr if you have devotion to Mary, that that's a sign that you're gonna go to heaven? Predestination is the yes. word. Yes. That's St. Louis de Montfort. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> I just had to. I just had to ask you that because everybody wants to go to heaven, right, yeah. folks? Well, then you know, have devotion to Mary. And the last thing I want to just ask, because we do have non-Catholics who listen to our show, and they're kind of asking questions about it. And I think we touched a little bit at the beginning. But for the, for those who, and this is my question to you: Would you encourage? Because I know Dr. Scott Hunt is a friend of the show. He prayed the Rosary thinking that maybe something bad would happen, but he just took it out and said, I, if this is real, I'm going to do it. What Would you recommend non-Catholics praying the rosary? 
I would say yes, because non-Catholics, Protestants, they have a great love for the Bible. Yes. And the 20 mysteries of the rosary mm -hmm. can be found in the Bible. You might yes. say the, the last glorious and the second to last is not, but I would say Revelation 12.1. There you go. Basically, Revelation 12.1, the woman clothed in the sun with the moon underneath her feet and the crown of 12 stars. You have both the assumption and the crowning in Revelation 12, verse 1. So it's very biblical. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is, and I always say that to our non-Catholics, that a scriptural rosary is really the life and death of Jesus Christ. And so by meditating on that, you can't go wrong. Father, again, how can people get your book? You can go to t 10 publishers, call them and order not one, but maybe order 10. Why not? <laughs> Share them with your families. And also have a study guide, study group at your house reading that book if you're in a book club. Go to Tan Books. Father, thanks so much for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Share Show, where we say we're too blessed to be stressed, we're too anointed to be disappointed, and if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. What a wonderful Catholic priest. Oh, yeah. Father Edward Broom. Uh, anybody who's going to his parish uh, is a very fortunate Catholic. I have a nephew lives out in the Torrance area, Carson area. He asked me, hey, uncle, uncle. <laughs> and he just had a conversion a couple of years ago, came into the church, I mean, like a gangbuster. Yeah. And he says, what parish should I go to? I live out in Carson. I said, I looked around, I said, hmm, Father Edward Broom, Hawaiian Garden. So yep. he's he's there now. And uh, he goes, Uncle Jesse, thank you so much. I love it. <laughs> Great, Jess. This is yep. a, a sick topic, but let's get into it, Jess, because Got to. follow Got the to. money. The market research predicts that revenue for wrongly termed gender-affirming care will grow to $5 billion by the end of this decade. Yeah, like you said, Terry, First Timothy 6.10, yep. all the money. Yep. The risk in any grim line of work is that you get used to it. Yep. That true horror ceases to appear horrible. Ugh. I assume the folks who clean up crime scenes and conduct autopsies get used to their work. Otherwise, they'd crack. Mm. I spend my days, writes Jay, Richard, writes Jay Richards, the writer of the article, studying a new line of business called gender-affirming care. That's a euphemism for the current craze of treating teenagers who struggle with gender dysphoria. In response, doctors who practice gender-affirming care try to drug and cut these young bodies to fit their self-diagnosed internal sense of gender. This internal sense is called gender identity. Don't ask for a better explanation. There isn't one. All I can say is these doctors are going to pay, pay oh, hell on Judgment Day for what they're doing. He, he writes, I'm so used to reading about top surgeries, bottom surgeries, and sterilized teenagers that I fear I'm growing jaded. Mm. Honestly, that's a risk. But even if I wasn't prepared for the report on the sex reassignment surgery market that was just released by Grandview Research. The U.S. market for such surgeries, we're told, was valued at U.S. dollars $1.9 billion mm. in 2021 and is expected to expand at a compound annual growth rate of 11.23% uh, from 2022 to 2030. At that rate, 
the market will grow to $5 billion at the end of this decade. Wow. These, these transgender surgeries. Business is booming because of rising incidences of gender dysphoria and the increasing number of people opting for gender confirmation surgeries. The report offers no commentary or explanation for this surprising fact. The report goes on to repeat the common claims of gender ide- ideologues about how these surgeries help people with gender dysphoria, a claim for which there's no good evidence. But they're just repeating, again, ad nauseum, uh, these, uh, these, this pure propaganda. Grandview's expertise is in market analysis. Apparently, the market for these surgeries had slowed a bit during the COVID-19 lockdowns with unemployment and lack of disposable income among would-be customers. But the good news is that the market is heating up again, in part because of an improvement reimbursement scenario. That's market forecast speak for the fact that insurers such as Aetna and Unicare provide insurance for necessary surgical procedures such as salpingo, oophorectomy, hysterectomy, orchioectomy, or ovierectomy. It's a stretch to call the removal of healthy penises, ovaries, testicles, fallopian tubes, and uteruses necessary. But in cutting medicine, I presume one must expect stretching of the stretching of semantics. In other words, wordsmithing. Oh yeah. And then there are the Medicaid dollars. In the U.S. reports around in the U.S. alone, the report notes around 152,000 transgender individuals are enrolled in Medicaid. And only 69,000 among them have access to gender-affirming care coverage under state law. That hinders growth in this market segment. But how long can such holdout states resist joining the right side of history? And how long can they hold out against the government support, which is also driving the market? And if I might jump in, President Biden has also, it's not in this article, he made a comment that he's going to make it as mandatory that this is standard for anybody who wants to do their sex change the government will pay for it. This is evil, but continue, please. Yes. Uh, for now, at least the market cleaves into into just two segments. Males who want to look females, male to female, yeah. and females who want to look like males, male, female to male. Yeah. The latter segment dominated in 2021 and is projected to do so for the foreseeable future. Why? Mm. Because of continuous in- innovations in meto-idioplasty, yeah phalloplasty, scrotoplasty, and chest reconstruction surgeries. That is, in plain English, new and improved versions of fake penises and scrotums for women born without them. This is hardly where we want the American economy to demonstrate its innovative potential. Indeed, if anything, the report underplays the ghoulish revenue potential for these procedures since it fails to mention the complications, simply cutting off, cutting out a uterus or cutting off a penis may only generate revenue once. These tend to be one on one and done operations, but constructing a similar crumb, a, a, a simulacrum of a penis and attaching it to a woman involves the rerouting of blood vessels, skin, urethra, nerves. This is far from simple. The initial surgery can take many hours. The follow-up for complications, infections, and maintenance can stretch out for years. Terry, they're making a cottage industry for themselves. Of course they're they're doing. Well, Jesse, I want to give the analogy what happened 30, 40 years ago when the same industry of marketing the idea that, hey, women, 
Uh, we're going to give you bigger breasts, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to put this in your breast, and then everybody knows all the complications that took place, the lawsuits. Mm. And, you know, here's the bottom line on all of this. Mm. We go with what God designed when he brought forth life, a male or female. And when we try to change what God has designed, we're always going to regret it. There's an old saying, Jess, that Monsignor William Smith said, God might, will forgive, but nature never forgives. The consequences of mutilating your body, and this is obviously goes right against Scripture and the teachings of the church. So this is something that we have to speak loudly of. And I just think of the marketing people who are doing this, Jess, and God have mercy on them to say, oh, yeah, we're going to tell them that life's going to be so much better. And when it's not, I mean, there's 45,000 people have already signed a petition saying, hey, I got uh, you know this, this operation done to me, and it was the worst thing that ever happened in my life. And guess what? They have no, uh, you know, no regret. In other words, they Permanent. have no consequences to their actions that the gov- that these medical people did. And I think that uh, there's going to be so much uh, problems coming down the pike because so many are, people have already regretted this, and they should be regretting it. But what they're basically saying, Jesse, is they're selling a product that has a uh, a, a ticket saying you're going to be much better when you're a male or a female, and then when they're not, they got. Nothing. So this is the point we're making. This has well, to stop. Well, when when they're not, even. they have the they have the highest rate of suicide. Of in course, the they're going to do. Of course, they're and and we talked to all these people who have had this uh, sexual problems with them. Um, uh, you know who they are, and then they just change, and then this is what happens. So this is why we have to talk about this and say no, this is evil. But you know when you think about it, Jesse, when you can kill a baby inside the mother's womb, what's the difference on cutting off your you know what? And trying right. to be a, a woman. This is this uh, this is what happens. Sin makes you stupid. That's right. Yep. That's uh, or as Saint Paul says, it darkens the intellect. Look at what one patient said that went through the surgery. Here's a testimony of a patient that went through the surgery. Uh, quote: Scott Nugent yeah. said this during my own transition. I had seven surgeries. Mm-hmm. I also had a massive pulmonary embolism a helicopter life flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed phalloplasty, that's a fake penis, 16, or taking it off, 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful, arm reconstructive surgery, permanent lung and heart damage, a cut bladder, insomnia-induced hallucinations, oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain from the hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my own apartment for a year. Between me and my insurance company, medical expenses exceeded $900,000. Unbelievable. Jesse, that's just one. Think of the 45,000 people that are on record complaining about their sexual assignment that they did. This is Boy, I thought I had medical problems. Oh, no. Hey, hey Jesse, you know what? Here's the bottom line on all of this. We have to go by what God's design is. Once we change the design and try to be... And what they're basically doing is saying, God, you got it wrong. See, when you do that, yeah, life is going to be uh, very miserable. And that's why suicide is so great among these people. That's why suicide's be- uh, high in, in homosexuality. It's even high with women who have had abortions. Because when you do things that are offensive to God's will, there's consequences to it. This is another classic example 
this whole transgender sex reassignment surgery, yeah. what I've said for years, Terry and me have been saying it, that the scientific oh, yeah. and the medical community has been hijacked, you bet. politicized, and weaponized by the left against us. And I'll say it again. Follow yeah, the money. Five exactly. billion dollars coming up. I mean, this is all about, hey, I can get some money because I'm going to offer something that's, hey, it might not be true, and it yeah. isn't, but who cares? People want it. I'll give it to them. First Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. What we've done, Terry, because oh. of the almighty dollar, we've turned doctors and scientists into scientific monsters, Frankenstein, Frankenstein science, promoting propaganda, lies, and pure deception. And they're performing surgeries, Terry, that are hurting people. This is child abuse for minors. Oh, big and time. this is adult abuse for, for those that are not minors. Right. Because these are surgeries that are unnecessary, gentle mutilation. Uh, this is why, again, amongst this community, Terry... They have the highest rate of depression and the highest rate of suicide because shortly after the operation, they come to regret what they've done. Well said. This is just another example of rejecting God in their life. And what I mean by that is saying God designed you in a certain way. Accept it. But by rejecting it, your life was going to be miserable. Jesse, good news, man. I love having this article. We do it periodically. The Jesuit priests who survived Hiroshima a nuclear uh, the, uh, the bomb that took place after world war, during World War II to close out the war, and we're going to say we're going to ask these priests why did they survive? Wait to hear their answer. It's simple: the Fatima message. They were living it. Well, stay with us, family. You'll enjoy this. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call eight eight eight. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Remember, global warming is coming. Yep. (laughs) Christ is coming back at the second coming. Are you ready? The only way you're ready is if you live and die in a state of grace. This is the month of October, the month of the Holy Rosary. So I picked this article to remind people of of several prominent miracles that have happened as a result of people praying the rosary. Yep. A bunch of Jesuits (laughs) back during uh, World War II. Yes. Who survived Hiroshima in the midst of the devastation. You can look at the picture there and see the way things were wiped out for, you know, hundreds of miles in all directions. You had eight Jesuit missionaries who were in the rectory and they survived. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking uh, at the picture here mm. of the just devastation that uh, the, the, bomb, uh, the, the, the bomb dropped by us as, as Americans, the, what it caused. So 75 years ago, on August 6, 1945, a B-29 super fortress named the Enola Gay struck out across the Pacific and dropped a uranium-235 atom bomb on Hiroshima. That's a city in Japan. The bomb, codenamed Little Boy, flattened buildings for miles in all directions. Tens of thousands of people were killed instantly. That strike and the subsequent atomic bomb attack by the U.S. and the city of Nagasaki three days later brought an end to to World War II as the Japanese military leaders realized that they could not win. But in the midst of the devastation near the hypocenter of the attack, eight Jesuit missionaries who were in the rectory survived. Four of the priests 
whose lives were spared are known by name. Father LaSalle, Father Kleinzorge, Father Schiffer, and Father uh, Selick sustained only minor injuries from shattered windows. Unreal. None suffered hearing loss from the explosion. <laughs> Their church, Our Lady of the Assumption, suffered the destruction of its stained glass windows but did not fall. It was one of only a few buildings left standing in the midst of widespread destruction. Unbelievable. Not o- yeah, not only were the clerics kept safe from the initial blast, mm-hmm. they suffered no ill effects from the harmful radiation. Doctors who cared for them after the blast warned that radiation poisoning to which they had been exposed would cause serious lesions, illness, and even death. But 200 medical examines in the ensuing years <laughs> yeah. showed no ill effects on any of these priests, confounding the doctors who had predicted dire consequences. Again, this is a miracle in itself, Terry. Go hey, ahead. Hey, Jesse, up. this is an incredible because when Father Sheffer, who was only 30 years old when the bomb was dropped in Hiroshima, told his story 31 years later at the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in 1976. Mother Therese was there. Bishop Sheen was there. At that time, all eight members of the Jesuit community who had lived through the bombing were still alive. Now, before the gathering uh, gathered faithful, he reminded about celebrating Mass in the early morning, then sitting down in the rectory kitchen for breakfast. His memories were vivid. I imagine he had just sliced and dug uh, his spoon into a grapefruit where there was a bright flash of light. Speaking before the Eucharistic Congress, he said that at first he thought it might be an explosion in the nearby harbor. Then he described the experience. Check this out. He says, suddenly, think about this, folks. Suddenly, he says, a terrific explosion filled the air with one burst thunder stroke. An invisible force lifted me from the chair, hurled me through the air. Oh, my gosh, shook me, battered me. And whirled me around. I love the analogy. <laughs> he says, whirled me around and round like a leaf in the gust of an autumn wind. Now, more details have been reported by the priest who has met Father Sheffer at the Tri-City Airport in Saginaw, Michigan. Father Sheffer visited the state to give a talk before the Blue Army. Blue Army promotes Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, they changed the name, but Blue Army does that. It's an organization, again, that promotes the Fatima message. The priest recounted their uh, next thing he remembered. He opened his eyes and was lying on the ground. He looked around, and there was nothing in any direction. The railroad station, the buildings in all directions were leveled to the ground. The only physical harm to himself was that he could feel a few pieces of glass in the back of his neck. As far as he could tell, there was nothing else physically wrong with himself. Now, many thousands were killed, I just just said, maimed by the explosion. After the conquest of the Americas, their army doctors and scientists explained to him that his body would begin to deteriorate because of the radiation. Many of the Japanese people had blisters, sores from the radiation. To the doctor's amazement, Father's body contained no radiation or ill effects from the bomb. That's a miracle. Father mm-hmm. Sheffer attributes his, this devotion to who? The Blessed Virgin Mary and the daily Fatima rosary that they play, prayed. He feels that he received protective shield from the Blessed Mother, which protected him from all the radiation and ill effects. Now, this coincides with the bombing of Nagasaki, where St. Maximilian Kolbe had established the Franciscan Friars, which was also unharmed because of special protection from the Blessed Mother. As the brothers, too, prayed the daily rosary, 
also had no effect from the bomb. What's the message, Jess? It's clear. The message is that the the message is that it was Mary's intercession that protected these Catholics in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, And the fact is, it goes to show you that Mary's intercessory power before the Holy Trinity. Talk about this is why we call her uh, mediatrix of all graces. All the graces, all the miracles and graces and blessings that come from the from God, the Trinity flow through Mary. Of course, and it flowed through her through the Rosary. Into the Catholics in, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Man. Uh, the article ends. It says Father Schiffer and the other Jesuits were examined repeatedly and interviewed repeatedly by scientists, medical doctors, and others who could not <coughs> understand uh, why they had escaped injury. Yeah. Father Schiffer reportedly said that he himself had been interviewed 200 times. Asked why they believed they were spared when so many others died from the explosion or from the subsequent radiation. Father Schiffer spoke for himself and for his companions. He said this, quote, We believe that we survived because we were living the message of Fatima. There you go. We lived and prayed the rosary daily in that home. Awesome. So Father Schiffer died on March 27th, 1982, 37 years after that eventful day. Wow. And there's a dramatic Renaissance photo captured shortly after the bombing, which shows Father Schiffer's church standing alone amidst the devastated city. Everything's in in ruins and rubble. And there in the street stand four of those faithful Jesuit priests <laughs> gazing across the miles of flattened houses wow. and businesses toward the horizon and giving thanks that God had spared them to continue in his work. Here's something very interesting about this whole event. Again, it goes to show you, once again, the protective arm of Our Lady. Uh, and that's why as Catholics right now, we're living in a time where this can happen again on a, on a exactly. large scale. That's where I was going. Russia has uh, a little over uh, 6,000 nuclear right. warheads. More powerful than Hiroshima. That's yes, cool. the U.S. has a little over 5,000. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're one, we're number two, and then other countries also have not as many, but they still have. In other words, uh, you have people that are unstable mentally, like Biden. And maybe even Putin, you know, yeah. form, former KGB, who, who knows, you know, what uh, residual effects he has in his mind as well. Both of them have the button, Terry, uh, oh, to, yeah. detonate, to detonate nuclear power around the world, a nuclear yep. bomb. This is why it's important to be praying your rosary every day. Right now is a time more than any other time in salvation history to be living the Fatima message. And also, I'll, I'll say another thing. Putin just gave a speech the other day. Yeah. Where he criticized the U.S., it was a fair criticism. There it was. He basically said that, hey, people, uh, you know, people criticize me uh, over this war. He says, but I just want to remind you that the U.S. is the only country in the world that's dropped atom bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He says no other country has ever done what the U.S. has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, he, he said that in a speech that he gave the other day. And, and, and the point was well taken. I mean, again, we have somebody right now who has the button on our side who's not mentally stable, Terry. So we definitely have to be praying our rosaries every day and, and seeking God's grace uh, for the times that we're living in right now. Well said. And Jesse, don't I tell everybody fear is useless. Trust yeah. is what we need. We don't have to fear that. Oh, oh, they might drop a bomb on Southern California. You better. You no. You know what I say to people? We pray. Hope and don't worry. That's Padre right. Peel at his best. Yep. Come on. Well, Terry, also something interesting about the first article that we did yeah. is Putin, well, he gave a speech a few days ago, and you know one of the things that he says that he goes, 
that I have to protect my country, Russia, from the West. Yeah. And he talked about he has to protect his country from the whole transgender monster experiments. Oh, yeah. tightening it down right now. That, now. That, are, that, are, that are moving from the U.S. to Europe over to Russia. Yep. Uh, he, he said that there's many evil practices in the West. And he, he talked about the He's transgender surgeries. Right. He says, I want to stop that from coming into Russia. So, uh, yeah, there's... Uh, there's a lot we can draw from from this article today. Yeah, it's not black and white right now, Jesse. We've got our own problems in our country, <laughs> and basically, what he pointed them out in a speech. There, yes, speech, and I would do the same the thing. Yeah, I would do the same thing. He pointed them out. Yeah, it's a crazy world that we're living. In. But you know what? We yeah. know the truth, and it's what sets us free. And I want to mention after our show in a couple of minutes, Bishop Joseph Strickland, one of those priests or bishops who are willing to do what Pope Pius X said, and that is preach the word in season and out and not be worried about the consequences. I, I love what Bishop Strickland always says, teach the perennial teachings of the church. And again, we're living in times of confusion. There shouldn't be any confusion if you know your Catholic faith. And why do I say that, Jesse? Because we've got the scriptures, we've got the catechism, we've got the sure norm of the faith. And when you hear crazy things that are going on in Rome or at your local parish, you know what? Pray for them because Our Lady of Fatima said it. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I said earlier in the show, Jesse, some priests are giving bad advice to people who are in problem marriages, saying, mm. oh, just drop your, your wife and go get another girlfriend. We'll get an annulment. Can you imagine at his exit interview the liability that his priests are going to have? That's well, why I, we... can, I can tell you where. The Buenos Aires bishops, the yeah. Belgian bishops, and the German bishops. There you go. They, we're, we're not, these are bishops. These are the, the successors of the oh, apostles for giving this better. advice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- these are, again, wolves in sheep's clothing. But again, as Catholics, let's remember, yep. we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation and be saints. We were not meant to fit in with this culture of death. It's right. And pr- please, God, one day that we hear these words, the words of the crusaders, when they burn in our heart, Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. Let those words burn in your heart. Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Pick up your rosaries. Remember, we serve a 12-star general. Pray a rosary every single day. Unite your prayers to Our Lady of Fatima and to St. Michael the Archangel. Well said, and get the confession at least once a month. Make your visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, we got great graces there from Eucharistic adoration and peace. If you're frightened, turn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Him, not in this world. And remember, Our Lady said, souls are going to hell, right? Because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. What sacrifices can I make today? Jesse's asking the same thing. We're going to offer Him. Why? Because we're the salvation of souls. That's what the church says matters. That's the whole purpose of the Catholic Church, to get people to heaven. May God richly bless you.